At least some of you may have met my dad in the past, and you will, you will know that actually I am really, really like him. To, to, to the extent when I was back home once in Northern Ireland, and I was walking down the street, and a guy comes to me, and he says to me, I'd never met him before, he says, you're Bert Cooper's son, aren't you? I thought, how weird is that? <laughs> he knows me just by knowing my dad. And... Uh, I have, um, I guess me, me and my dad, I say, are the, we are extremely alike in, in, in so many ways, but in some ways we're actually very different as well. Because you see, when my dad gets some new clothes, he brings them home in his bag, he puts them into his wardrobe, and he leaves them there for two or three weeks. If you ask him, why, Daddy, why not, why not wearing your new clothes? He'll say, well, I'm just keeping them for a special occasion. Now, when I get something new, I just put it on almost immediately. I wear it for pretty much two or three weeks until Rachel says, I'm sorry, but that's disgusting. They need washed. Take them off and wear something else for a change. So now, over Christmas, over Christmas, me and Dad both bought a leather jacket. And Dad, he brought his home in the bag, he put it in the wardrobe, and I said to him, Dad, are you going to wear your jacket tonight? Not, not yet. No, no, I'm just, I'm just leaving it. Not just yet. I wore mine home from the shop. I actually wore it around the house for a little bit. I admired myself in the mirror which I probably shouldn't admit to, thinking about it. But anyway... Um, and, and I, when it got too hot, I, of course, I, I took it off. Um, but I've worn it pretty much every day since then. You see, it's not to be hidden away. It's something that needs to be seen. I want you to enjoy it as much as, much as I enjoy it. In fact, I'm just retaking really a leaf out of my mother-in-law's book. Because, you see, when I... Shortly after we were married... My mother-in-law came back from holidays, and she, as she often does, she brings presents back with her. And she gave Rachel this little gift, this present she unwrapped, and uh, there's some beautiful clothes in there. And then my mother-in-law turned to me and said to me, Keith, your present, your gift is to look at your wife in her new clothes. How generous, I thought. <laughs> But in, in many ways, in many ways, she has an important point because when we receive something special, whether it be some new clothes or a special gift or, or even some great news, we must not hide it away. It needs to be shared. It needs to be seen. And that's where we're coming to in Mark. Because how much more important is it that we put this principle and apply this principle to God's kingdom, to the family of God? So we heard last week in chapter one, chapter, sorry, chapter four, it begins with the story of a farmer sowing some seed. And actually, later on in the chapter, there are more stories about seeds and about agriculture and sort of these farming illustrations, which we'll come to next week. But all of these are trying to build for us a picture of God's kingdom. So as the word, as the message, as the gospel, as the good news of Jesus is, is sort of is sown into our lives, it's never something that we must keep for ourselves. 
It's never something that we must just use for our own benefit. It carries with it the responsibility to reproduce it everywhere we go. As we get to chapter 4, verses 21 to 25, we see that Mark changes the metaphor, same principle, but changes the metaphor from seeds to lamps. Let's read. So we're in Mark 4, verse 21, and it says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you say, to what you hear. What the measure, sorry, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, a lamp is supposed to be put on a stand somewhere high. You don't need to be an electrical engineer or whatever to, to work this out. There's nothing particularly profound in this statement that a lamp needs to be high. It's designed to illuminate, to light up the entire room. And as Mark writes this, it would seem to suggest that Jesus is actually talking about himself. But there's also significance in where Mark places this little story, where he places this little parable in the middle of all these sort of gardening and and agriculture and sort of seed-sowing illustrations. Now, to the average person in that day, they would have understood about agriculture, they understood about sowing seeds, that was pretty much the main industry, it's pretty much what all of them understood and did, and it is no accident that this story of the lamp is placed in the center of what would have been for them everyday life, and literally a light shines from the middle of all of that, and here Mark wants to reveal the secrets of God's kingdom that can be seen in the person and in the mission of Jesus Christ. Now, most of us, I guess, define our lives by, or at least we can define our lives by what we don't do. So often as Christians, we get accused of that at least, don't we? So often we say, we, we don't do this, and we, we don't do that, and we certainly don't do that. And, and, we, and, and, and before we know, we build up this little list, we, we don't do certain things. And don't get me wrong, the Bible does teach that we should put away sin. So there comes a time when we say no to things. We don't just say yes to everything. But also, there is a lot of talk in the Bible that we should shine like a light, that we need to be displaying godliness, Christ likeness that we need to be living in the power of the Spirit. So as Jesus speaks this parable, 
He says, don't hide your light. Don't hide your light. Let people see the work of God through your life. And he goes on to say, actually, that it shouldn't even be possible for you to hide your light. It shouldn't even be possible to do such a thing. And in verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. And there's an interesting comparison or contrast here between the hiddenness of verse, 20, of, of verse 21, where you get a lamp and you put it under a bed or under a basket, or at least covered in some way, but also the secrecy language of verse 22. And the implication here that something is hidden that will be revealed. There's something that is now secret. It's going to be made known. And in the same way that you should never hide a lamp, why would you? Surely it would be crazy to think that God would bring near his kingdom in the person of Jesus Christ and in some way try to conceal him or hide him. And Jesus, he never hid away from anyone. I think we've seen some of that already as we've read through the first few chapters. In chapter, in, in chapter 3, we, we've seen how the religious people come after Jesus. He doesn't back off. In fact, you'll see it even more clearly as we move through the, the rest of the chapters as we get closer and closer to the cross. Jesus is not hiding away from anyone And while the disciples have their moments of doubt and fear, Jesus wants to encourage them that they have a message to proclaim. And there's a call to faith and a call to hope for the disciples that is deeply, deeply significant because they have the greatest message in the entire world, a message of Jesus' saving grace. But for the disciples, they had spent time with Jesus. They'd, they'd, heard about, they'd heard his teaching. They were mesmerized by him in many ways, but they could not possibly have understood the full significance of who Jesus was in that moment. We have the luxury and the privilege of living on the other side of the cross. We know about the cross, about Jesus dying first, and we know about the resurrection, but the disciples didn't. They could not possibly have begun to understand that. And they are living in hiddenness. A period of, of secrecy. They don't, they don't get the full picture. They could not possibly get this full picture. But this period of hiddenness, which will only be temporary before the, the powerful and the, the glory of God's kingdom will be fully revealed. And it was at the cross where we see this most powerfully revealed to us. It is at the, at the resurrection where we see God's glory come. It is at the ascension where the victorious King Jesus goes back up into heaven, who sits down at the right hand of God, who says, it's finished. The mission is complete. It is Jesus who sends his Holy Spirit. And in the coming of the Holy Spirit, God's revelation comes in power and glory to each one of us who believe.
in him. And the gospel of Jesus Christ has been given to you, has been given to us. And if you follow Jesus, Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit empowers you as you enjoy God, as you enjoy God's word, as you read it, as you understand, as you speak it, as you share it, as you shine for him. And Jesus is the light that shines within us. He should be. He's the light that shines within us. You know that little, little children's song? This little, I'm song school. This little light of mine. You know what? I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it. But twee, possibly. Not a lot of theological content, perhaps. But absolutely true. This is Christ in you. This is Christ in you, the joy of God in you. And he cannot be hidden. He can't be hidden. He should not be hidden. And life-changing salvation that perhaps many of you have experienced when you've come to Jesus, when you've been filled with his spirit, should be increasingly be displayed through us. But listen, there are a number of practical things that we, if we want to shine brightly, and I hope we do, if we want to shine really brightly for Jesus, there are a number of practical things that we can do. I've got four of them, okay? Number one, firstly, we need to listen and we need to read God's word and apply it to our lives. Verses 23 and 24. We need to spend time in Scripture. Listen, there are no shortcuts to becoming more godly. It's feeding on God's Word. And God will speak to us through the pages of this book. And He encourages us and He instructs us. In fact, He reveals Himself to us through the pages of this book. And we need to spend time in God's Word every single day. We need to search it for God's promises, to hold on to them, to apply them to our lives, and actually to live them out. So when we face, I don't know, a challenging time, or we don't know what to do in a certain situation, or what words to say, or even what to do, we we go to God's Word and we declare, perhaps over our lives, we declare Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or perhaps we're facing the temptation for the 10th time this week and we, we just think, I'm just, I just want to give in to this. I just can't cope with this any longer. And we speak out Second Thessalonians chapter 3. The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from evil. Or perhaps you're facing problems and the future just seems so uncertain. And we declare Psalm 33 and verse 11, The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Or perhaps perhaps you're just overwhelmed with worries and just the stresses of life. And we turn to God's word and we read in Deuteronomy 
be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And listen, do not underestimate the power of God's word spoken and declared and lived out in your life. Don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate it. And you need to be a student of God's Word, to be teachable, to store it up in your heart, to memorize it, to apply it to your heart, to pray it out, to search it for hidden treasures. And, and, and many of you know this. I know it. I've just said it. But I don't always do it, if I'm honest. People in different parts of the world would give anything for this book. That's the truth. I've got at least 10 in my home. And how often we take it for granted. How often we don't spend time in here. How often we neglect to apply it to our lives. Become lovers of God's word and shine brightly for Jesus. The second thing is that we need to share what we've learned. You need to increasingly be the light to to allow Jesus to radiate out through you. And yes, we need to spend time with God's word and to to understand it, but we also need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we've been called to be like Jesus. And Jesus, he says, he describes himself in this little section as a lamp. And we also need to be a lamp with, with, with God's word being the wick that runs all the way through us, through us, but the Holy Spirit being the oil that burns within us. And the more that you shine, and the more that you speak up, and the more that you rely on God, the more of the Holy Spirit's unction, and the more of the oil that God will pour into your life. And listen, we need to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-off thing. It's something that we need to do every single day. Now, whatever your theology is on how, the Holy, how you get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm Actually, I'm not that bothered. I shouldn't say that, but I'm not that bothered, really. Whether it's a conversion or a little bit later on. Listen, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, be filled and continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. We need to live in His presence and long for His presence. And you can never give too much for Jesus. You can never shine too brightly for him. So take in the word, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and pass on the truth of the gospel. And my prayer, my prayer is that we, each one of us, becomes passionate for the things of God, passionate for his word, and passionate to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we become like a white hot fire so that that people cannot even come close to us. 
without realizing that Jesus Christ is within us. There's something very attractive. A man and a woman of God that people can't help noticing. People filled with the Spirit. There's something, there's something there that you can't miss. And we need that. The third thing I just want to share with you is this, that this is everyone's responsibility. There's a story that goes that took place in an open-air crusade in, in Halifax, uh, um, in Nova Scotia. Billy Graham was due to be speaking the following evening, but he arrived a day early. So he sort of went in incognito with a, with a hat and, and dark glasses on. He slipped into the back of the crusade, sat on the grass at the very, 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 very back. And, and nobody really recognized him. Directly in front of him was an elderly gentleman who was listening intently to the message to the, that the guy was preaching. At the end of the, at the, end of the preach, the, the, the guy speaking, as they often did in these big crusades, they encouraged people to come to the front as a sign of, um, of a commitment to, to wanting to follow Jesus. So Billy Graham thought that he would do a little bit of personal evangelism of his own. He tapped the man on the shoulder and he said to him, would you like to give your life to Christ? If you would, I would happily walk down to the front with you. The man turned and looked at at Billy up and down, didn't recognize him. He thought for a moment and he said, nah, I think I'll wait for the big gun tomorrow night. And so often we have that sort of thinking, that, that sort of mentality, that, that evangelism, that sharing our faith is only for the big guns. People like Billy Graham's or whoever else you, else you, can, you can name in there. Not my responsibility. In fact, I couldn't do it anyway, could I? And Jesus says to us, Don't hide your light. Shine for me. And we can all share something of our faith. We can all tell our story, can't we? If you've got a story to tell of what Jesus means to you, of what he's done in in your life. So this is our, all our responsibility. Not just for the big guns. The fourth, the last thing is this. The wonderful thing about sharing and shining for the gospel is that the more that you share, the more you will learn about God's word and the more you will learn about God's power. And there's nothing more exciting than being on the journey with someone who meets Jesus. It's such a privilege. It is such an honor. And there's an urgency here in the words of Jesus in verses 24 and 25. And it says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And there's a sort of uncomfortable, sort of dark warning here is Jesus says, pay attention. 
when Jesus says pay attention, I'm thinking we should take some heed of that. And the measure that is used against us is what a person does with God's kingdom now. So as you shine for Jesus, even in the smallest of ways, even more will be added and given. But if we treat God's message lightly and do not allow its work in our lives, then you will be the loser. And Jesus, like any good teacher, he's not going to move on to lesson number two unless you've learned lesson number one. Lesson number one, Jesus says, shine. Share your faith. Shine for me. Let other people see God in, in you. And if we refuse to listen and to learn, we endanger, it says, what God has already given to us. And you can lose out on the greatest privilege and the joy of seeing God's kingdom advance. You know what? The truth is, God will build his church, whether you are involved or not. You're not going to stop, if you do nothing, you're not going to stop God's kingdom advancing. You'll not stop God's church being built. It will be built. But how much better if you're involved in that process? And if you obey him, and if you shine for him, you are the one who will be fruitful. You will be the one that God will use. You will be the one who has the real privilege of seeing Jesus' kingdom advance and Jesus' kingdom begin to grow. And notice, notice how generous God is to those who take him seriously. He just gives, and he just keeps on giving. So receive the word and the spirit, and be bold in Christ. There's no such thing as secret Christians. Just as a light only works if you hold it up, if it's there for everyone to see in the open, so we who have received this gospel message must shine out in the darkness. So shine brightly so that this dark world may see Jesus as Savior. Shine in your jobs. Shine in your home, in your family. Shine in Chester. And one little light, truthfully, one little light doesn't make that much difference. But together, together we can make a huge impact for him. Together we can make a huge impact for him. And together we can burn with an illuminating fire. With a passion for Jesus. That can see many people come to him and find him. Guys, we don't live in isolation. We don't work in isolation. So together, we move forward prayerfully advancing God's kingdom in Chester.
Let's stand together.